Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in cloudy and damp downtown Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. I have our co-host today, Dave Anderson, our producer, William Jeffries, and our regular guest, Emmanuel Gennard. And we have our get add dot, get commit. Well, we got a message. You got to leave a message. Uh, awesome guest, <laughs> get push, force with lease, origin guest, David Radichak. What's going on, David? How are you? Hi, nice, nice uh, to talk to you guys. Hey. Hey, cool. How's it going? Um, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, David? So I work remotely for GitHub on the payments team. Um, prior to that, I've been working remotely for about five years. Um, and then before that, I, I worked at a fully on-site company in San Francisco for a year. Oh my gosh, um, what I've a coincidence. Worked- Today's topic is remote teams. Exactly. And working bum, bum, remotely. Bum. How did that happen? Whoa. Did you hack it to the mainframes, bro? Yeah, How'd you do just that? Just in our hangouts. <laughs> Lucky coincidence. You worked in a you worked at in-person companies too, right? Yeah, so I've also worked at a a fully in-person company as well. And uh, when you were at uh, San Francisco. And when you were at Slice, they transitioned from all remote to all in-person basically, right? Yeah, so the company I was at before GitHub was originally a three-person fully remote team and then distributed after taking funding to a primarily on-site team based out of New York with a couple of remote developers, a little bit of global diversity as well too. We had uh, developers in California, uh, New York, as well as in Massachusetts. Macedonia. So uh, a bit of a range globally. Um, and then GitHub itself is about a 60% remote company with people kind of all over the globe. So all kinds of time zones and all kinds of yeah, uh, definitely. fun adventures. I imagine there is a difference between working in-house and then working remotely. And I can tell that you made the decision to work remotely. What are some of the things you had to sacrifice to become in a place that now the only way you can work is remotely? Yeah, so there's definitely trade-offs. You know, for me, I think probably one of the big ones is when you work from home, you don't have a commute. So when I wake up, I I can do whatever I want in the morning, make some coffee, watch some TV, hang out with my family. And then, you know, getting on to work is is just a quick walk upstairs and and staying down at the computer. Um, So not having that, you know, hour, 30 minute or even even like a 15 minute commute, you know, removing that is has been really nice. Um, so that's one of the the big things I really like about it. And one of the other benefits is it gives you a lot of flexibility in regards to where you want to live. Um, so I live in the Sacramento area, which is significantly cheaper than you know a lot of the tech hubs like uh, New York or San Francisco. Um, so you just have a lot more freedom in regards to what you want to do. I've never done the the digital nomad thing, but there's a lot of people that travel you know while being remote. So it gives you just a lot of flexibility there. Yeah, that's awesome. I've worked remote, not full time, but part-time in the past. And I found that the commute thing is definitely really huge on both ends. Like you're gaining two hours back into your day, basically. But I found that in a certain way, I kind of missed having a commute because it's a very specific barrier to when the end of the day is. Like it's a very clear ritual for the start and the end of the day. And I'm curious, like how do you uh, mark out like where your work-life balance is when you don't have that urge to just run off and get out of the office? Like right at 5 p.m.? That's a good question. And, and something that I think, something that all remote workers end up having to kind of figure out what works for them at some point. Personally, I try to set myself up with a very specific schedule. So typically between nine and six Pacific at GitHub, it differs depending on where the company you're working at is primarily located. You kind of want to be somewhat on a schedule where, you know, if your company is based out of New York, um, I started my day a little bit earlier to be on time with, you know, when people in the office were going to be there. Um, but just kind of setting up a kind of a somewhat of a strict schedule. So for me, nine to six, 
six, I kind of expect to be working between those hours. And anytime I'm working after six, it's an exception. And that's, you know, I almost view it as like kind of overtime. You know, if I work later, then, you know, maybe I'll start a little bit later the next day. So kind of keeping myself to a bit of a specific schedule makes it a lot easier to balance, um, you know, kind of your work and your personal life. Um, You know, I try not to always feel like I'm at the job, which is something that I think a lot of remote people struggle with. You know, I know that. That's awesome. Got to keep that energized work going. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I know some people, they prefer the flexibility that remote gives you and kind of being able to work whenever and stop whenever. Um, So I think it depends a little bit on the individual. Some people, you know, really like the flexibility that working remote gives you in regards to your office hours because you don't have that commute. You can kind of start and stop whenever. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, I think that that strict schedule really helps. So what are some of the downsides of being remote that you might want to share as a disclaimer for people who might be considering (laughs) making the jump? Yeah, I think there's a lot of downsides. You know, it, it depends somewhat on the individual. I think one of the biggest downsides is kind of the casual conversations you have in a workplace that you don't even necessarily realize you're having. You know, say you're in an elevator with a coworker, you have a quick five minute chat and you kind of get to know each other. And that's how you develop those kind of strong friendships, you know, where you end up being friends outside of work and stuff like that. And being a remote worker, you don't have that kind of elevator time or that water cooler time, or, you know, you're not going and grabbing a lunch with someone. So you kind of have to make up that time. I find that when you get to a meeting early and someone else shows up to a meeting early, it's a good chance to kind of talk, maybe discuss personal life a little bit, and you can kind of build friendships and stuff that way. But that's definitely one of the big downsides to remote work is you lose that kind of like personal connection with coworkers. So do you feel like uh, working in all remote company versus a partially remote company like has a big difference between making time for that? Because in my opinion, if you're working partially remote, then there's more of that kind of thing that's happening that are behind the scenes for you and you can't see. Whereas if you're all remote, then everyone has to be in the same position and carve out time in their schedule for Uh, fun stuff. Yeah, I think it's to a certain degree, just the company culture in general. Companies that have a very remote focused culture typically have a team that's a little bit more remote heavy. So there's, you know, maybe like GitHub, you know, a very remote focused team, about 60% of our employees are remote, you know, where if you get to a place where 5% of employees are remote, typically the culture, you know, is less remote friendly. And and that comes across in things like kind of FaceTime. So with GitHub, we have mini summits where you'll get together with your team, you know, for a week at a, a specific location, and that gives you FaceTime with your team. And those happen pretty regularly. So I think companies that are more remote focused set up opportunities for remote workers to get FaceTime with other people on the team, which is pretty crucial towards developing those friendships. You know, companies that are a little less remote focused, you get a bit less of that. What else have you noticed that's effective for the people who are in charge of the company or who are in charge of the team that has remote members on it? Like what advice could you give to someone who might be leading a team that has remote workers? Yeah. So I think it's a multi-part question. So if you're looking at kind of a team level, so your team of, you know, say four to eight engineers, you know, I think the biggest thing there is just kind of in the way the team communicates, especially if it's kind of a partially on-site and partially remote team. One of the biggest kind of concepts in regards to remote work is the concept of having a URL for everything. All of your communication, you know, should have a URL attached to it so that it's easy for remote workers to see notes that are going on. If you're having a conversation, instead of having it in person, maybe have it on Slack so that everyone can see what that conversation's about. Or if you have a conversation in person, make sure you take some notes or, you know, a quick summary of what was discussed and put that in an open place for everyone to see. You know, I think that's important so that those kind of small water cooler conversations or over lunch, you discuss architecture, you know, a new way to to solve a problem. You know, you add some notes 
onto a Slack channel or GitHub issue. And it's a way for remote workers to then see what that conversation was. And it's a practice that works out well for a team in general too. You don't lose conversations. There's no like, oh, what did David say two weeks ago? You have a way to easily search that conversation and then link to it. The open conversation is really important from a team level perspective. From a company perspective, uh, a way to make remote workers really succeed is having dedicated communication channels. So a meeting room with a dedicated microphone and a dedicated webcam so that it feels like the remote worker's in the room with you. If you've got a remote worker and you're just pulling them up on a laptop and kind of pointing it towards everyone in the room, that's not a setup that's going to make the remote worker feel like part of the team or be able to really have much of an impact on the conversation during a meeting. So really, you know, making sure that if you're going to have remote workers, you set up your office space to succeed. Yeah, I feel like at our current client, we did that for a couple of weeks where we had a TV that just had a webcam hooked up to it. It was just always on the Hangouts link. And so if they wanted to jump in, there was no waiting for someone to set up the webcam and whatever. They could just pop in and yell at us or say hi. We have to add the current client I'm at, actually. There was one remote worker who works out of California, I believe Santa Cruz. And there's one person who works out of Africa. I don't know which country in Africa, though. I hate saying Africa because they're different countries. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I don't remember which one. And so it becomes, so we have a room that is the room that our team meets in. There's a big TV. There's a webcam. It's always on the Hangouts room. And every time we go in there, that's the time. We have a timeout and they always know they can just go in there and they'll immediately see everyone who's in that room. Mm. Right. I mean, they certainly do miss a lot because most of the team is in person. But I think that at least makes an accommodation for that person that they can be included. Have any of you guys tried any of these 360 degree conference room cameras? They're like thousands of dollars. So no, I, I haven't <laughs> seen them in the wild. How, how, how does it work? Is it like, does it sit in the middle of the table and then you can 360? Oh, is it like the Google Streetcar kind of thing? I think so. I've oh. only seen them, you know, I, I Googled this because I wanted to buy one and then they were prohibitively expensive. <laughs> I haven't played with them myself, but yeah. they're out there. Oh, that's pretty, that is pretty cool. I mean, I've, I've worked with people who work remotely that do like the idea of having a room where they can see everyone, but they don't like to know that their face is on this big, huge screen mm-hmm. where they look like Big Brother is watching them <laughs> as they do things. So oftentimes we'll be like, all right, you're connected. And then they'll like turn off their camera. <laughs> yeah. Just like, it's just they not the big hide. face mm-hmm. looking at like, you know, trying to think. And, it's like and B for Vendetta. Yeah. <laughs> and I always thought that that was pretty funny when it was brought up. Um, it does feel kind of self-conscious when like you're the one who speaks on Hangouts and your head becomes the largest. <laughs> <laughs> or if you don't speak and your head becomes largest all of a sudden, it's like, why is my head so yeah, big? Why, 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 why did it zoom into me? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> so speaking of tooling for remote work, we've spoken about physical tools, but what about virtual tools? Have you come across any, David, that you found particularly useful that maybe we haven't heard of? I think the most popular one in regards to pairing and stuff like that has been Screen Hero. You know, Screen Hero allows you to share your screen and then you also have keyboard and mouse controls as well. So if you want to, you know, kind of take over and drive for a little bit, you can do that without switching the computer that's driving. So that's really helpful. The quality there is not as great as I would like it to be. So I'm always looking for new tooling, but haven't found anything that's quite as nice. You know, I think... There's some tools there, you know, especially if you use a terminal-based editor where you can use Tmux to share your your terminal, uh, but then you don't have the ability to share your browser. And a lot of coding happens kind of in the browser where you're looking up documentation or you're reviewing a pull request. And, you know, that's something that you don't have if you're just sharing your terminal. 
So Screen Hero really has worked out kind of the best from what I've seen. I feel like you just need to like curl the documents yeah it's interesting like how screen hero really just resonates like i've, I've done screen sharing apps before but it's just so easy there's very little friction like you can screen share with hangouts you can screen share with skype but it's kind of a pain there's a lot of buttons and like settings and levers you need to pull in order to get there so it's nice to have like minimal friction like what you're talking about with the video chat having minimal friction just to jump in and be a part of the team yeah definitely yeah pro tip whoever has the faster upload speeds should host because it turns out that's the bottleneck not the download speeds mm. ah, fun fact today mm. i learned look at that you could have mm. saved that for you <laughs> yeah. know the teacher learn later so although there is a certain <laughs> level of voodoo in like all teleconference software like hangouts and whatever there's always some kind of a little glitch like a or a lag and you always have to stand by for a moment, <laughs> get the kinks worked out, and then get to work. Have you guys tried Flubits? No. What no. is Flubits? Oh, sounds Flubits. sounds <laughs> dangerous. It comes from Harry Potter. Flubits were, that was how you would teleport from fireplace to fireplace. Oh, oh. interesting. Yeah, I, I got to rewatch the movies. Please don't kill me. <laughs> Internet. But yeah. Uh, I, well, I've never seen them, so. No! <laughs> what? No, we got to take that offline and, and right. have a whole That's session on being edited yeah. out of the exactly. podcast, so no one knows. No, no, I think that no, we should, yeah. Yeah, we so, edit out of the so, so what's uh, the flu bits? So Flubits is a tool that allows you to do editor sharing across different types of editors. So if you're a Vimmer oh. and your pair is into Sublime or Atom or Emacs or whatever, you can pair and both edit the same file at the same time, each using your own editor of choice over the internet, which is pretty cool, but it, you run into the same roadblock that David brought up, which is that you still need Screen Hero to share the browser. Oh, I see. So, like, you can still share, you can still type in your own perspective editor, but to actually see the browser, you'd have to kind of run it on your own server to then see it on your own local machine or your local browser. Yeah, and somebody needs to just invent a Chrome plugin that allows you to share an entire Chrome instance with somebody over the internet. If mm. anybody is listening right now and, and knows of one of these tools, please uh Tweet at us at Radio, Radio Free, Free Rabbit. Rabbit. There you go. Oh, the, the echo effect right <laughs> yeah. there. David, I have a question. So like you have mentioned before that you don't, unfortunately, by being remote a lot of the time, you don't get a lot of the water cooler talks and like catching up with people. So like as an advocate for someone who's remote, how can I make the water cooler talk happen with my remote employees? Like what are some things, some little tidbits that I should keep in mind? So I mentioned earlier, kind of at the start of a meeting, if you get there early, that's a great time to kind of have some of that small talk. One of the companies I worked at, my last company, we worked with a consultant that planned a remote lunch. Um, so everybody got together on High Five, which was our essentially our conferencing tool at the time. So you could do High Five, Hangouts or Zoom. Um, and just get together and, and chat over lunch. So instead of the in-person people grabbing lunch at the cafeteria or you know going out to a restaurant or something, just bringing it back and, and eating it at the computer with uh, the remote workers. And I think that was a, a really cool way of bonding the team and kind of getting a chance to have some of those personal conversations that you don't normally have um, yeah. as a remote worker. Yeah, definitely. William and I have done that in the past and it was pretty awesome. Like, I was remote for the day. A lot of the people were remote for the day because it was like a holiday weekend coming up or something. And um, I took my phone and I did hangouts and when I walked over to the pizzeria, 
And it was a pretty fun experience. I got to like show them, oh, this is my world. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Uh, and then I used up all of my data and oh, I have no data left. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got cocky since I had like 10 gigs in the bank and T-Mobile and it's all gone now. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so if you're going to go on remote lunch with your peers, make sure you got unlimited data. Right, or Wi-Fi. Just oh, yeah, always Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, it's pretty hard to find a pizza shop that got like Wi-Fi if you go into like a mom and pop, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah. I know in the Bronx, there is one pizza shop that got an app, which was like amazing, but <laughs> you got to go to the mom and pop pizza shop. That's where it's at. Right. They uh, might have like a dial-up Wi-Fi. You like yeah. Have, have the yeah Bob, Bobby has no idea what Wi-Fi is. He just makes pizza. That's, that's, all, <laughs> that's all he does. You got to get him on Slice, man. Yeah. That's the only app to order real pizza. I had to let them know. Wait, slice like through the phone or they come here? Like, I guess, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll hook them up. I'll see what I can do. But yeah, no, I think that's pretty cool. You can have lunch with your coworkers at a space and be able to catch up in that. I think because like eating food is a really interesting time and bonding time to catch up with your peers and you kind of missed out when you're remote. Yeah. Not that people who are remote are forever alone and they eat by themselves. <laughs> but like, yeah. it is a nice way to catch up. I'd never heard about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I have to figure out Definitely. how can, but like yeah, what if how does think, that go ahead I think also just you know as a company if you kind of sponsor or you know fly people out to HQ um, mm-hmm. is a good way to get remote workers some FaceTime so you know a week of FaceTime goes a long way if you don't really get any FaceTime so stuff like that can really help co-workers bond with remote workers you know as well as if you're a remote worker that really values communication and you like to be around other people there's co-working spaces which are a really good option for remote workers that are kind of looking for that office environment so you know you can go into the co-working space for a few days a week or maybe do a half day at a co-working space and then work from you no know, home or a coffee shop the rest of the day so you still get that flexibility of being a remote worker right uh, but the option to kind of go into an office just a question you mentioned the company flying remote individuals into hq what would you think the interval would be where it's like a normal rate or like a comfortable rate for someone who's remote would you say like a week every quarter or like a week every six months like what are your thoughts on that So it really depends on kind of the team and the individual. I think a week, a quarter is really nice, but, you know, at least twice a year is is really useful. So probably at least for a week, twice a year is probably the the most beneficial. GitHub has a a pretty nice policy. I believe they recommend at least four HQ visits a year. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of that, you know, once a quarter kind of thing. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was reading online about uh, TopTal. TopTal is an entirely distributed freelancing company. And being that they're remote first, they obviously have put a lot of thought into things like that. And so they've codified it and put it in a blog post that we can put in the notes. It's pretty sweet. Awesome. David, I'd like to ask, uh, I guess we spoke about like the, you know, some of the virtual aspects of pairing, but do you have like a dedicated office space at your current living space that allows you to work remotely? And how does that affect after work hours? Like, how do you treat that room, I guess? I think like one of my problems is my office space is my PC where I have video games. So if I'm in there and I'm working remotely, chances are I'm turning on League of Legends and I just start oh. playing. I'm like, shit, I got to go back to work. I'll tab. Yeah, I can't all tab. I got to go and make some commits and stuff like that. So what is your current office setup that allows you to do work 
Romulan. Um, yeah, so I also suffer from the uh, League of Legends vice. Um, <laughs> so definitely, there's a tricky balance there. So right now, currently, and I've, I've gone through a few different variations. I've essentially had a dedicated office room, so with a, a door that closes, you know, and kind of the, the full desk setup. So I would go in there and work during the day, and then six o'clock or whatever time I decided was my end schedule for that job, I would leave that room, and then my gaming PC was set up in a different room. So if I wanted um, to play some video games, it was in a completely different room at a different desk. Yeah. You know, or if I, if I go to watch watch TV or something like that, there's a very real separation between that actual room where I work versus where I have personal time. That's like a pretty surprisingly powerful thing. Just getting up and going to another chair and sitting down. It completely changes your mental state. Yeah, definitely. Um, just mm. kind of that different interface. You know, I think there's the connection where you're not supposed to, you know, work in your bed or eat in your bed or something like that. Like your bed's supposed to be only an area where you sleep because then your mind connects it. When I'm in my bed, I'm sleeping. So I yeah. think that physical separation is really useful for your mind to decompartmentalize. It's interesting. I have a friend who was able to use gaming as a decompressor while he was working remotely using Pomodoro. So he would take five minute breaks every 25 minutes. And in that five minute break, he would play an entire round of a video game. And it was, he said that was the most restorative break he could possibly come up with. It worked really well for him. Nice. Which, wow. which video game? Nah, he's probably playing Civ, Civilization Five. I've been playing Civ Five, although Civ Six is out. And I oh. imagine like if you have it loaded somewhere. And then it's like, oh, it's your turn. Then you're like, all right, bet. I'm going to invade this place. And it just does a round that everyone, like if you're playing against right, computers, yeah, yeah. you do like two rounds. It's probably like two to three minutes. And then you just go back. I think that would be pretty cool. I guess mm. all the civilization players out there. Uh, yeah, I take it. It's like I end up playing a game that takes 50 minutes rather than five. So my Pomodoro's mm, are yeah. horrible. That's <laughs> the problem. Yeah, he actually had two separate computers and he had like a KVM switch and he would swap the monitor, keyboard, and mouse back and forth between the two machines. Mm. Mm. But one last question for you, David. What have you seen companies do really badly? Like, what are the worst sins that teams or companies that you've worked at have committed in terms of supporting or properly integrating remotes? Yeah, I think there's, you know, a lot of it's just not doing the things that they need to do to set up remote workers for success. Probably the cardinal sin is just not having a conference environment that allows remote workers to communicate. I worked for a company where, you know, when we had a, a company meeting, I'd be thrown up on an iPad and, and just kind of passed around the room, oh, um, which is wow. a very jarring. <laughs> <laughs> kind of demeaning. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is a, a bit of a jarring experience as a remote worker. You also can't hear a lot of what's going on in the meeting. So it's kind of you're at the point where it's like, why am I even in this meeting? Not only does that make it difficult for you to contribute as a team member or keep up with what's going on, but it also really drives home like you're not necessarily part of this team. Like it's a way to really make remote workers feel like they're not a part of the team and that they're not kind of a priority. So, you know, really having that communication channel where you're removing the friction is something that's really, really important. That's a big one. And then as well as having conversations that spur up around the office. Um, so again, this is kind of goes back to the communication of, you know, everything should have a URL. You should have notes in the open kind of thing. You know, if you are a company that has a lot of big meetings, you know, kind of that's just spur up over lunch or something like that. Remote workers are completely isolated from those. You know, so there'd be times, you know, one of the companies I worked at several years ago where we'd all of a sudden have canceled one of our big projects and then, you know, we start working on a new one. And, you know, I would find out when the pivotal tracker got updated. It makes it difficult if there's big changes in the company. And as a remote worker, you're not even aware that those kind of conversations are happening because they're happening over lunch or something like that. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, really just making sure that remote workers are included is essential. I hope we've made you feel like you've been included in this podcast <laughs> <Yes>. recording <laughs> and uh, that full process. 
Yeah, definitely. I think having the hangout session where everybody has a face, everyone's got their own screen is really useful. If you don't have that expensive TV conferencing setup, at least having everybody on their own individual laptop. So it kind of feels like everyone's remote, you know, works really well. Cool. Awesome. Well, I mean, I guess that kind of wraps up our uh, remote talk. Uh, that we have uh, working remotely seems like a really cool idea if you enjoy less uh, travel time and being able to focus on the work at hand in the comfort of your own home or in the office or at a library or wherever do we have any teacher learns that we want to discuss i learned something recently uh it's the color words flag uh for get diffs so if you do get diff dash dash color dash words you get individual words being diffed rather than whole lines of code. Oh. So it's really nice. <laughs> yeah. So like if you, let's say you have to update the number 18 to the number 13 right. on a, a pretty long string, mm-hmm. that's a pretty easy thing to miss when you do a normal get diff and it's done by line. Because uh, it's this whole long line, and it's mostly the same. Right. And even mm-hmm. if you have a monospaced font, you know you're not going to notice where the change is. Right. But if you use color words, then the number eighteen will be in red, and the number thirteen will be right next to it in green. Oh snap! I'm sure David is like knew that already. <laughs> <laughs> but that is pretty cool. That is that is dope. I should definitely um, yeah, change, man. make a Git alias to do that instead of the Git regular diff that I have right now. Mm, wow! Yeah. Get down, you know, that's, just, that's that's the next podcast. <laughs> we gotta get all the get commands, all the all the cool ones, all the cool ones. Well, yeah, David, would you like to give us where people can reach you, or like on Twitter or Facebook or GitHub? GitHub. Uh, so you can reach me on uh, GitHub. The handle is Makra M O C K R A, and then the same thing on Twitter, but add an underscore at the end. Awesome! Sounds good. <laughs> nice, Makra. Cool. I like to. Thank my co-host, Dave, coming through, I'm producer, William, and our regular guest, Emmanuel, and David, our get add dot, get commit, get push, dash, dash, force with lease, origin guest. Thanks for coming <laughs> on down, man. Thank you so much. And, Thanks uh, for having feel, me. Yeah, no, no doubt. And feel free to reach us at uh, twitter.com slash radiofreerabbit. This is The Rabbit Hole. We'll see you next time. <laughs>